Hey, it's Mike from the High Hash Rate Podcast. Just want to take a brief moment here and thank Fountain.fm for really helping us grow our podcast. I mean, this has been a, a fun ride. But if you are not listening to High Hash Rate on Fountain.fm, we highly recommend it. You can stack sats by listening to your favorite podcasts. So if you're not a fountain, head on down and download Fountain.fm today. I go to a lot of meetups and stuff, and I would say more than 90% of the people I meet, I would put good money on their self-custody having some holes in it or that they're still sitting with custodians. So, hey, look, like you say, it can be a message to other people. Like, if I'd ever used a custodian in those 10 years, I'd have lost my Bitcoin. My self-custody wasn't good enough. I lost my Bitcoin. Hey, everybody. This is the High Hash Rate Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. And this podcast is just two plebs getting high and talking about Bitcoin, life, and the absurdity of the fiat world. Our guests don't necessarily get high with us, and you don't have to either. But it helps. Welcome back to High Hash Rate. Um, today, our guest, you may have seen his story kind of trending about a month ago, um, kind of had one of the um, worst nightmares that can happen to a Bitcoiner. They lost their their stack. And uh, he's going to kind of tell us about the story, man. So introduce yourself and kind of <laughs> let us know what's going on. <laughs> That's a heavy intro, bro. Go no, on. I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm Rick and like you said, uh, I think it ended up on quite a lot of people's uh, Twitter feed that, yeah, about a month ago, uh, me and my dad, uh, we got hacked and uh, we lost 25 uh, Bitcoin. Uh, that was Bitcoin that, you know, we'd been holding for a good sort of 10 years. Um, to say we, we're fully paid up Bitcoiners it would be an understatement. You know, it's probably been our biggest obsession over the last sort of decade and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm trying now, you know, I've, I've got nothing to pitch or sell or anything like that, but I, I do have a story to tell and, and maybe that story can help some other people. So it seems worthwhile to, to sort of explain what happened, the mistakes we made uh, and just encourage people to, to, I don't know if they're, if they're, you know, I would imagine there's a certain percentage of your listeners that might not have their self-custody in as good a shape as it could be. And if they hear this story and, and take some action and improve that, then I feel like at least I'm trying to salvage something from a pretty, pretty outrageous situation we found ourselves in, you know? Yeah, man, let me, I guess I'll start with, you know, what, what was your Bitcoin story? How long ago did you discover it? And how, like, how long have you been a hodler? So, uh, well, well I, I, I can be a bit more accurate than when I first told everyone what happened because part of the process we've had to go through now is uh, to work with the authorities is to prove that the funds were ours in the first place. Uh, so I've been digging through transactions from way back in 2013 where we first bought some Bitcoin at Mount Gox. Um, I think, I think, you know, it's such a long time ago, I think we probably stumbled across it in around 2012 and then probably just talked about it for for quite a while before we actually went and bought some and started playing with it um that might sound like kind of crazy early to to most people you know and sure. and don't get me wrong there's a hell of a lot of luck involved that we stumbled across bitcoin back then but also i think there's a few that we didn't just 
dismiss it and and move away, you know, and and think no, this is crazy internet money. Largely right. because I was quite fortunate, you know, my 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 dad's pretty pretty out there, right? So even from a young <laughs> age, he, he was telling me, you know, you can't trust the central banks. Uh, fractional reserve banking is a giant scam. This is why the value of everything goes up, like housing and and all these other assets. So. You know, he was very aware of the the banking scam long before Bitcoin even came on the scene. Um, also, you know, the other reason that that we stumbled across it, and he was the first to find it. So he was, uh, well, still is uh, a developer uh, and has been for sort of fifty odd years. Um, I mean, going way back, you know, he started life messing around with, um, I think it was IBM six System three hundred and sixty assembler. And then moved his way through C, oh, wow. C plot, uh, and even today, you know, he's messing around with uh, like Node.js and Docker, and he's a very, very capable you know, it's, uh, person. You know, I just um, had a, like a, I had a thought about that. Um, it's kind of you mentioned specifically what as a developer he went back to, which was Assembler, and Assembler is like the lowest level. Um, before some, you know, the instructions get translated to machine code. It is like connected to the um, the rules of the system. And then you you talk about how your dad just kind of knew what the scam was. He identified it from day one: the banking scam, the you know, the central banking scam, the the way the money works, right? Because he was just like so in tune with just the basics of how a system works and the incentive structure. And, and he noticed the same thing in Bitcoin was like, oh, I recognize this immediately. And it's just like this pattern that you just know it when you see it. Right. And it was apparently that's in your family. Like you just, you know, it when you see it, like you don't, you see right through the scam. He would make a far better guest on your podcast than I would. He's a very, very interesting (laughs) guy. Um, and you know, I think, I think the most sort of interesting thing about my dad is he's the kind of person who is just naturally curious. Um, and he's a very, very logical thinker. He's the kind of guy that will sit down with like a puzzle book, you know, with, with weird, obscure maths puzzles, and he'll take a lot of enjoyment solving them. Um, I've seen him take an air conditioning unit off the wall that stopped broke, stopped working. And he takes it apart, gets out his soldering iron because he's determined he's going to fix it himself before he has to call someone. Um, so I guess this is why it's so sort of hard to process is you know we we knew we knew better and our self-custody setup was really weak exactly which man i mean talk about like kicking yourself for the rest of your life right like we've been around a long time in bitcoin we we understand like the importance of keeping a seed phrase offline and secure and man we we just got complacent right um so yeah, right. yeah, it, it's it, it's like you know talking about your dad. It doesn't seem like he needs somebody to um, custody his money. He can program his own money. He can figure out how to use Bitcoin from a you know an early start. And um, but at the same time, there's a lot of people who don't you know they worry that they're never going to have the technical uh, ability to fully be sovereign and control their Bitcoin. Um, so they they kind of relent and maybe they get lazy with it. But even if you, the more, you know, right, like you can still like, that's still a risk, like no matter how much you know better. Um, and there's a lot more people that know better that are probably being a little bit, um, apathetic or 
complacent, like you said, as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a couple of things here, right? So I would say on on the one side, like my dad's a very talented developer, very technically minded, and and yeah, I, you know, any of these self custody solutions wouldn't be beyond his capability. But uh, at the same time, you know, he would also, I think, freely admit that he's a developer. He's not a cybersecurity expert, and you know, that's a distinct field in its own right. You know, there's people out there that have spent decades with one goal in mind. How do you protect critical data? Whereas his side of, 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 you know, development is more like creating things and software. And I, and I guess, you know, has probably gone through the majority of his life without, you know, using basic and, and standard best practice when it comes to security, but sure. never found himself in a position where he has to protect something that's so uh, critical, and and maybe that's like a, right. a a weak link in the chain. And I also don't want to come out here and, and sort of give the impression that that you know because my dad's such a, a technically minded person and we got it wrong that it's not achievable for most people because I do think that it is. Sure, sure. Um, and and you know I also don't want people to think that I would ever advocate for things like using a custodian or you know buying an ETF and stuff because listen you know being your own bank is worth it right it's awesome you can send money anywhere no one can tell you what like you 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 want all these benefits otherwise what is the point of having bitcoin at all if you're right. just here for the gains you're missing the real fun um right. so yeah we i th I think a big driver man is that you know when we were first storing our Bitcoin, you know, there, there weren't so many hardware wallets available. Uh, right. You know, there weren't these solutions like steel plates. I mean, granted, right, we could have gone and bought a piece of steel and 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 marked it up ourselves without buying one. Was seed words? Was seed words? Uh, had that had that bit had that been adopted for the seed phrase when you first started in the hierarchical wallets, or were the did you have to like keep track of each address and and private key? It's such a long time ago. I can't remember. I think the seed sure. phrase, okay, yeah. uh, BIP39, I think, was was about 2013. Yeah. So, you know, we started getting interested right around that time. So if there was a period without sure. seed okay. phrases, it was, it was probably shortly. Yeah, I was just curious. Yeah. And I was just wondering. I don't know if this helps, but I think one of the first wallets we ever used outside of uh, like Bitcoin Core was called Multibit. Uh, I think it's defunct now. And I can't, I can't remember, but maybe if, if people are interested, they could go and look at what Multibit was like and whether it offered seed phrases. I don't really remember. Um, and then we ended up using uh, Electrum Wallet once uh, okay. Multibit was... So so by this point, yeah, we, we're definitely into seed phrases, right? Um, I just had, a, so I, it, I had one question about, about this time period when you first got into it. And like you said, you used multiple different wallets. But I was, I'm curious, how serious did you take it at the time? And like, how much were you trading with it? Were you just kind of experimenting with it? Were you, or you being were like accumulating, just trying to accumulate? I'm making sure of both, right? Like, um, okay. Back then it was, it was. And how many did you lose back then, maybe to trading or just forgetting a private key? Do you know what the, the the funny thing is right we were really fortunate to find bitcoin when we did because uh there weren't any other coins around right so there wasn't all these distractions and shit coins and 
sure. you know, sometimes I might wear it as a bit of a badge of pride that, you know, I never got sucked into the, 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 uh, blockchain rabbit hole or the shitcoin rabbit hole. And I think that's largely because when there's only Bitcoin to study and only Bitcoin to learn about it, you know, we went down the rabbit hole of understanding, you know, what is it that, that gives it sure. value? What is it that makes it decentralized? I mean, even to the point when Ethereum was launched, you know, I looked at it and I'm, I, you know, I've seen this, this, uh, Bitcoin emerge with this immaculate conception, right? Um, and then I see Ethereum launch with, with basically like, you know, an ICO and, and investors and it had a, you know, I, I mean, I guess Vitalik wouldn't call himself a CEO, but to all intents purposes back then, this guy had made a product, he'd raised money for it. It just felt old fashioned, like same, same as the Fiat sort of thing. So to, to us, we didn't get sucked into that rabbit hole. So, and also all these places where you can trade with like extreme leverage and all this crazy stuff, it, it just didn't really exist. You know, you, you, I guess you could have traded on Mt. Gox and, and bought and sold, but we're not traders, you know, um, we were just <laughs> in it for the tech, I guess, because, you know, back then a coin was worth, uh, you know, thir 30 quid, 30 pounds. Right. Um, wow. and you know, me, me and my pals, we used to joke around and say like, God, could you imagine this thing might, this thing might go to a hundred bucks, uh, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, so more, right. we were just learning about it and stuff like that. I mean, over the years, my stack did get smaller and smaller. Like, uh, you know, I would still buy some over the coming 10 years, but obviously like, uh, the price is always running away from you over that 10 year period. You know, it's, it's funny to me when people are so upset during a bear market, because when you've seen Bitcoin at 30 pounds, all the bear markets kind of look a little bit inconsequential. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That 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 was a sort of origin story, I guess. Is we were lucky to learn it pretty intimately because there were no distractions that allowed us to see that like blockchain doesn't make any sense without you know a, a token uh, like Bitcoin and native currency. It also meant that we were really suspicious of altcoins, and uh, I mean, at one point, I would have thought between us we had over a hundred Bitcoin that that we were kicking around with. Um, but yeah, didn't really trade, but used some to pay expenses as as we went. You know, I was in my mid twenties when we when we found it. So to me, it's kind of miraculous that I ended up with any, right? Because I was right. like, any, yeah, exactly. Any, you know, I want to go out, have fun, go on holiday, whatever. You beat the um, odds. I was, you know, you mentioned at the beginning that you were kind of going back and having to find um, receipts and uh, you know purchases that you'd made to prove it was yours, and I'm wondering what that was kind of like, did it bring back a lot of memories? Did it, you realize like the conviction you had, or maybe you didn't have during bear markets in the past when you're like looking at the dates and like seeing these purchases that you made and remembering all the times you bought Bitcoin throughout the years? Yeah. Sometimes like, uh, <laughs> oh man, there's some pretty funny stories. Like if I, if I dig way back, you know, there's like a one point I've sold like, uh, I think three quarters of a Bitcoin or something. And that's because my clutch had broken on my car when I was like 26, um, you know, and, and stupid stuff like that. And you think, my God, um, there was, there was, uh, there was one holiday I went on, I went on some, I went on some cruise. Uh, and again, at the time, I think it was about like 600 bucks, but the, the Bitcoin I spent to go on that holiday today is probably worth, 
I don't know, 200K, something outrageous. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I mean, over the years, you you really you really get the message like, whoa, whoa, whoa! You need to you need to really consider how much this might be worth in the future before you go and spend. And uh, like a lot of people talk about, yeah. like Bitcoin seriously messes or not messes seriously improves your time preference because right. it's constantly teaching you, constantly teaching you that actually, do you do you need. Do you need a hundred dollar pair of trainers or are your shoes fine? And you know, you, you get very good at delaying gratification. Yeah. And I was going to say that how, you know, how many purchases of different things have you made in the past 10 years and how, how many of those do you really remember? Right. But you can probably go back now and, and think about like you just described all these memories for buying and selling Bitcoin and why you had to do it and how will you still think about it years later? It's, um, it just shows how it changes your values. Oh, completely. I, you know, I'm healthier than I've ever been. Um, I feel like I understand the world around me on, on, on a completely different level. I mean, obviously I'm 10 years older, so you'd, you'd hope so. Right. But, um, right. yeah, it, it, it shifts your view of a lot of things for sure. Yeah. It causes you to contemplate your your actions and contemplate your purchases and contemplate your uh, things that you put value into. Yeah. Go so, ahead, Mike. No, I was going to ask the, uh, so I'm, I'm still curious. So this story is actually, I think the story, by the way, is extremely important in a, in a very big sense. If you ex extrapolate our life 2000 years later, what does this story mean? You know, this is a very important story in history, I think. Right. No, it I, is. I'm so serious about that. Um, but the other thing I wanted to ask was, uh, how did it happen? Yeah. I never, you never got the details. How did it happen? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. You had these okay, coins so, and, and what happened? Uh, so, I mean, yeah, let's, let's, first of all, I'll, I'll say everybody should self-custody their coins. But they definitely shouldn't do it the way we did it. So the way, you know, we, we knew early on that you should never leave your coins with a custodian. And this is a point I really want to drive home is that if we ever had have left our Bitcoin with a custodian over that 10 year period, the chances we would have lost it would have reached nearly 100%. Because, you know, Mt. Gox went down and I can't, I mean, it's so many exchanges have failed or collapsed since I got into Bitcoin, I can't even remember all their names. Like I would have to look it up. We're in, it must be 10 or more, right? At this point. So the first point to take is that, you know, the only reason we managed to hold it for so long was primarily because we looked after it ourselves. So the next thing though, to say is that our self-custody really wasn't good enough. And, and the reason it wasn't is I'll just take you through the setup. So you know, I had a lot of, I got a lot of heat on Twitter, as you'd expect when, when I spoke about what happened and I had a lot of comments that I should address saying, oh, you know, you, you crazy idiot. How do you not know how to use a hardware wallet after 10 years in Bitcoin? And, you know, I got to address that because we do have, and we do use uh, hardware wallets, but obviously, I, you know, this is just a signing device and just having a hardware wallet is not the, the 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 final solution to this because you need to you need to protect a recovery phrase so that you can get back to the hardware wallet right if you lose it or break it so 
basically fast forward to the point where we've got hardware wallets, but we have recovery seeds for those wallets that we need to, uh, you know, secure, write down, put in metal, whatever. And this is where it goes wrong is, uh, you know, we chose to use a password manager to store our seed phrases. Now, before everyone goes totally crazy and says, you've left your seed phrases with a custodian, this was a self-hosted password manager, right? So it wasn't like LastPass living with some third party. Uh, we used KeePass, which is like a, an open source uh self-hosted, really well-respected, like great piece of software, really love it. There's nothing wrong with KeePass, but we we had a KeePass file on our own machine uh, and, and our seed phrases were, were in there. Um, now that KeePass file was also encrypted with a password. So, uh, you know, if you got access to the device, you couldn't just open the file and get to the seed phrases. You needed the password. And that password was never written down anywhere and didn't live anywhere except in our own heads, right? So mistake number one here that's worth pointing out is that, you know, this this laptop was a daily driver. It's my dad's daily driver laptop. So, you know, this PC will frequently connect to the internet. He uses it for basically everything, right? So that's mistake number one because, you know, you're just opening up a huge attack surface that's really easy to not open up, right? So... Don't store your don't store your seed phrases on a device that connects to the internet. Um, the second problem then we have, you know, so okay, we've recorded our seed phrases in KeePass. We're obviously aware that you know my dad's laptop could die, he could you know drop a glass of water on it, whatever, um, or you know your hard drive just gets corrupted. So you know we wanted to make a backup of this KeePass file that contained the seed phrases. Now, again, mistake number two, which is kind of starting to compound our errors here, is that was uh, backed up to the cloud. So it's a cloud storage uh, solution like OneDrive. Again, the OneDrive account will will be encrypted with a password, right? You can't just walk into that. Um, so, you know, you would, you would maybe think from that, okay, so number one, you know, storing your seed phrases on a daily driver laptop, really stupid. Do not do that. The second thing, backing this up to the cloud, really stupid, don't do that either. However, you know, you would still think there's a challenge there to get to the seed phrase. You first have to get through either the, you have to get access to the device or you have to get into OneDrive. And even if you manage those two things, you still have to break the encryption on the KeePass file. So let's get to our final and most crucial and most painful mistake which is essentially that the password that was used to encrypt uh, the OneDrive and the uh, KeePass file was, now we look back, laughably weak, right? So it's maybe 11 characters long, uh, doesn't have any special characters in it. it. It's not like, it's not crazy, like it's not my cat's name. Uh, it, some, people, some people on Reddit and Twitter thought that the password might have been Bitcoin. It wasn't, um, <laughs> but you know, I don't know why I'm trying to say face. It was easy to brute force made. with a computer. This is this is what, what we think. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. I was going to ask if you know exactly how it was compromised, or if you just kind of uh, have followed the pattern of of vulnerabilities. I think we just got the most likely case, right? I, I suppose there's option okay. one. Yeah, sure. Probables, probabilities. 
maybe someone got access to his device. We think that's unlikely because we know who comes in and out of that house and we, we just think it's really unlikely. Uh, so yeah, we, uh, number two, you know, I mentioned that my dad's been a developer for 50 years. So do we think that he had a keylogger on his device or something? Again, not impossible, but we think unlikely because he's very unlikely to click phishing links or, or download malware. You know, he, he writes software. So I'd be surprised if that was the route. Um, so, well, here's another really interesting bit of the story is, and again, this is all based on probabilities, but we, we think that it's very likely that we were targeted specifically. And the reason okay, we that's what I was going to ask as well. Yeah. Um, well, you know, option one, this is just some random hacker gets into our OneDrive account, sure. breaks, breaks the encryption and thinks, holy cow, I just won the lottery. There's seed phrases to 25 yeah. Bitcoin in here. Could have happened, but that would be, that would be extremely lucky on the, on the hacker's part. What we think is more likely is we learned, um, through working with law enforcement and during the investigation that when Mt. Gox was hacked, that not only did they take the Bitcoin from Mt. Gox, but they also got access to the user data. And according to the authorities, it's actually out there in the public domain, which addresses belong to us. And that means that the hackers could have seen that, you know, there's a guy called Colin Messett who bought Bitcoin. They'll have known how much he bought. They'll have known where he sent it outside the exchange, all of the associated addresses. And we learned that on the dark web, there's lists that we appear on with our names, lists like Bitcoin targets or Bitcoin owners. Um, so, you know, that, that, that's, that blindsided us because it, you should think like, oh, they might have got our details, but it just never crossed our minds. We thought, hey, we're in self-custody. We avoided that whole thing. So to sum up, I think someone actively uh, uh, tried to access my dad's system. His email is quite public because he's a developer and, and speaks to lots of people. Yeah. Uh, the password's too weak on the OneDrive and on the KeePass file. And we think they've identified us, found his OneDrive, brute forced their way in. And, and that's kind of the story. Do you, I guess my question after hearing that is, do you think that do you think that the you you probably overanalyzed the security setup from a technical perspective just this probably been racing through your mind nonstop since the since you figured out the news right but do you think that really the biggest vulnerability was just being in that mount gox database and having your opsec essentially make it so that you were uh you know that's what that's why you were targeted and really that if somebody was that determined to get to your Bitcoin, you know, it's, yeah, you could have had a stronger setup, but it's, you know, they could have found a, another way to get it unless you were just totally following the rules and best practices to a T, which maybe some people do that a hundred percent of the time, but that's, that's a lot of pressure to do a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. I mean, Look, I, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, diminish our responsibility in this. You know, having no, a sure, password sure. and storing seeds online yeah. is 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 unforgivable. And and trust me, you know, we will kick ourselves more than anyone on Twitter ever could. 
However, yeah, it, it certainly brings to mind like, holy cow, right? Like, okay, so let's say that our seeds had been on metal plates, right? Not online, not in the cloud, unreachable uh, for, for a hacker. The truth is, you know, you don't know if someone's going to show up to your house and, and commit a physical attack. Um, you know, that that happens. There's lots of examples of right, that happening right. around the world. And when there's a million dollars worth of Bitcoin sitting there, um, it keeps me up at night thinking this could have, you know, my dad's uh, in his late 60s. I live miles away from him, you know, a good five, six hour drive away. Uh, you know, he's a capable guy. He's still fit and, you know, moving around. But if five thugs show up with ski masks on, this is, this is a problem. Um, so, right. yeah, it kind of. It freaks you out, man. Like, if it hadn't have been a hacker today, could it have been someone else? Say the say the Bitcoin moons again, right? Which at some point it will do. That one million might have been ten million, and then how many people out there with our details being attributed to all this would would be motivated enough to come and get it? I, I think probably more than you think. So it's a real wake up call on your privacy side of things. I'm going to take that a yes. hell of a lot more seriously now. Yeah, I think my maybe the the point I was trying to get at was it's a holistic approach. You can be the most technically sound or you can be the most, you know, you can have the best opsec and the best privacy but you're lacking in, in a technical sense or any other aspect of it could you know leaves you open and more vulnerable if you're not um perfect with the way you're doing if you're totally technical but have zero opsec you better be perfect at technical or if you're totally um private and have good opsec but you're not good at technical you better be perfectly private or you know it, maybe it's more realistic to to be good if not perfect at kind of every facet of of security or work towards being um stronger in those cases and also that it's not it's never too late although it, it, it's worth thinking about that you can't go back and uh, undo the mistake of you know buying at Mt. Gox, right? You should, like if if you knew better, you would only buy peer to peer and you'd be perfectly private, whatever. But you can't change the past and you can't change that trace of history to you. But you can adjust and 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 uh, make up for past mistakes the best you can. Yeah, yeah. Like if I go on enough podcasts and tell everyone my Bitcoin was stolen, maybe everyone will leave me alone, right? It's yeah, right. Gone. Exactly. That's you missed the boat. It's it's, okay. it's all a it's all a psyop. This could be a psyop. Maybe you're just trying. This is your 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 fifth your uh, your boating accident, right? You're just more of a drama. Oh man, guy I mean that would guy. be a bold move, right? Like like trying to convince the whole of Bitcoin Twitter and people who are far more capable of than me that this was a boating accident. I I, I wouldn't have the balls for that, and certainly not that good of an actor, right? Uh, so. Yeah, I, a lot of people have accused me of that, but you'll have noticed as well, like I've never put a donation address out, like I'm not asking anybody for anything. Um, so I don't know what I would stand to gain other than trying to pretend I'd lost my Bitcoin, but then attract three, I got like three million views on Twitter or something, like it went crazy. I don't think attracting attention <laughs> to myself that way would be a good strategy. So yeah, I, I don't know if that makes much sense. <laughs> but I, I do want to mention that there, like I mentioned before, there is an important to, importance to this story. You know what I mean? It's, this is like a heat, like a warning. This is a, 
you know, going forward, you could, that, that's how you transform that, uh, that narrative is like, you can become a message for everyone in the future. And it's, it's a story nobody, it's a conversation nobody ever wants to have to, or have to have, you know what I mean? And it, it's, it's like, oh shit, it's hard to even imagine. Well, do you know what? Sorry, but having the hard conversation, trust me, way more pleasurable than losing all your Bitcoin. So just have the hard conversation. There you go. With yourself. How many times have you told, have you told that story? Uh, I mean, I, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm telling everyone, you know, Michael, I think, I think you hit a really important point there and that's, that's why I'm, I'm out explaining to people. Like I'm quite a, I'm quite a private person, like, you know, not a heavy social media user. Uh, I don't want to be an influencer. It's not really my style. So, you know, when that tweet went crazy and, and we got 3 million views, that was a whole another level experience for me as well like I, I feel really uncomfortable with that many eyeballs on me but to your point Michael it's just like do you know what like I could run off with my tail between my legs it's an embarrassing story we've been in Bitcoin for 10 years we should have had a better setup but I guarantee you know I go to a lot of meetups and stuff and I would say more than 90% of the people I meet I would put good money on their self-custody having some holes in it or that they're still sitting with custodians so hey look like you say it can be a message to other people like if i'd ever used a custodian in those 10 years i'd have lost my bitcoin my self-custody wasn't good enough i lost my bitcoin so just you know yeah like there's there's more people that need to hear this because there's a there's also a message out there that that says if you have a hardware wallet and a metal plate it's dead easy and that's all you need to do and that really doesn't do service to what you're actually embarking on when you're trying to protect your your Bitcoin. And I think more people need to know that, that, that there's more steps you need to take. Um, this this question, I don't. Maybe you don't have an answer, but have you and your dad forgiven yourselves and each other yet for this? Because it's like it's you didn't just lose your Bitcoin. It's like it was your guys's Bitcoin. So <laughs> turn into therapy. Yeah. a little bit, yeah, yeah. Hi, man. I'm, I'm get, a pretty does open that resonate like, with you. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, for us, and I know a lot of people talk like this, but it was never about the money. It was always about the freedom. Um, you can probably tell. You know, I said from the start we were distrustful of central banks and 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 all that, and and we're we're quite aware of some of the way the world works, and and you know, like the food system, the money system, whatever. Take your pick. So we were always just pursuing uh, our, our freedom and our sovereignty, right? Um, so the overall, but I, I guess one way that, that that helps to deal with it is, you know, having been been watching the space for ten years, I know now that like it's unfathomably early still. Like I've been through quite a few cycles, and every cycle you think, okay, this is it now. Everyone's gonna figure it out. Everyone's gonna be on Bitcoin. All the shit coins are gonna die. And all the blockchain chats going away, I, I promise you, like, well, I could be wrong, right? But I absolutely don't think that that we're anywhere close to that just yet. Uh, so I believe that I've got plenty of time to win back that freedom. I'm still going to, I guess, if you want to see it this way, front run 90% of the population. Um, and to me, you know, 
if if I get my freedom, it doesn't matter whether I would have had a, a billion dollars or just enough to to, to claim that freedom. Um, but I want to mention my dad a little bit because you know, you, as you can imagine, a guy that's been a developer for that long is is technically capable, understands that you should have secure passwords. I I know that he's really sort of kicking himself, um, and I know that he probably feels. Well, I mean, he's told me he feels like a certain level of guilt because, you know, I'm, I'm his son, right? And and I don't think any father would want to have to sort of think about, okay, that was a, 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 a you know, potentially his, his, his property, like he would buy a house, he would, you know, I'm getting married next year, we're, we're looking to start a family, all this sort of stuff. Like it, it, it makes a lot of those things harder to, to, to deal with, but you know, I, I just, I, I don't know if my, my dad's not a big, big podcast listener, right? So I don't know if you'll ever hear this, but you know, I'll put it out there anyway. I already won the lottery because he's my dad, right? Like that's why everyone, like genuinely, if it wasn't for him, I'd have never heard of Bitcoin until way later. And if we hadn't found it so early, I might've got wrecked on some shit coins or fallen down the wrong rabbit hole. Because I think for new entrants with so much stuff out there, it's way harder for them to reach the conclusion that Bitcoin is the answer. Um, so without him, you know, I wouldn't have had a great education. Uh, I wouldn't have been taught to think for myself rather than, you know, just sort of be an NPC who, who doesn't get it. So yeah, I still have those tools. I still have those skills and, uh, we're we're gonna be fine, right? So yeah, it's tough. But the other thing I still have is uh, I don't know if anyone's ever gonna appreciate. It could... Go on. I was gonna say, it, and it could be worse. Like you, you could have lost you and your your wife's Bitcoin. Like you guys stacked together because she would never let you live that down. She'd pull it up in every argument. Like you could never win another argument. She's like you lost our Bitcoin, dude. <laughs> Unfortunately, Dan. That's... You know, I mean. She, she doesn't have any bitcoin um right and and that was my entire yeah. stack so unfortunately the case uh, is that it is going to zero but the good news is is the wedding is still on uh because she's awesome. a great person and she didn't come for the money man she came for the revolution right so plans still yeah. go right it should be good well, I mean, you have like the best possible attitude about this and like the most genuine attitude about this. But so I, I guess this question shouldn't even have to be asked, but you've started over, right? That's the plan. You're buying man. Bitcoin I mean, again? You're stacking sets. Yeah, still. I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you, right? Like Dan, I, 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 uh, I, I fell out of the labor market because I had a really big stack of Bitcoin and, uh, I've never really taken like a traditional path through life. So I was on my own kind of crazy mission. You know, my plan was I was very comfortable with where I thought the value of Bitcoin was going. So I redirected my attention and my time to, to passions. So like, I, this is the maddest thing. Like I'm currently on a woodworking course at the moment because I always wanted to learn how to do woodworking. And thank you, Satoshi and Bitcoin for giving me the freedom to pursue things that are not necessarily directed at making money. And then I was going to do uh, some courses on just basic plumbing, uh, basic, you know, electrician sort of courses and stuff, because part of my plan was very much, you know, I want to become self-sovereign in more ways than just my money. You know, if my 
I just wanted to become more capable. Most of my education was academic and I wanted to fill some gaps. So that's what I was off doing. Um, now I will be coming back to use the, you know, my, my actual skills like sales, marketing, that sort of thing to look for work sort of ideally in the Bitcoin space. Um, but I'm not, unfortunately, you know, I, I was, I was pretty all in, right? So I, I don't have a huge war chest of, of fiat to go and buy Bitcoin now. Because why would I have a huge war chest of fear? I'd already figured out that I don't want to hold that. Um, so yeah, starting again, but believe me, like I got two choices, right? I lost everything. Option one, give up on Bitcoin and try and rebuild my whole life on, uh, you know, fiat money, like the pound. Well, that's like building your house on sand. Like, you know, I lost my Bitcoin. I didn't lose my mind. Um, so I'm still going to be... I'm still going to choose the hardest asset to store my wealth in as I try and build it back up. That seems seems obvious to me. I think, I think that's a um, a testament to the value of Bitcoin, kind of outside the fiat exchange price. Is that you know before Bitcoin, right? Like you could have lived on an island and a hurricane or a tidal wave could have come and destroyed all of your wealth. All your money's gone. Your house is gone. Everything, and you have to start over. Um, accidents like that can happen, but. When you when you were holding Bitcoin because you had excess or you know a lot of it, um, you were able to pursue your passions and kind of retool your life to figure out who you really were and what you really cared about and what you really wanted to do every day, whether you needed to do it for a salary or not. Um, and so you lost all your Bitcoin, but you didn't lose that drive. You didn't lose the growth that it provided you. And now you have to work again, but it's you're going to be doing much something much more in tune with who you are and what you enjoy. And you'll probably be more successful in it than you were in your jobs prior. Oh, yeah. It's been a while since I felt this hungry, Dan. So, yeah, I'm coming. <laughs> You'd be, that's, people like you will be driving up the price of Bitcoin because you'll be coming in with a new entrance to the market of uh, you know stacking sats every day. I think there's a way to get those coins back. That's my question. My, my next question was, what's the prognosis for getting your coins back? You're working with authorities. Yeah. It's obviously a long shot, but it's a it's a, it's very much a long shot. I, in fact, I think such a long shot that uh, you'd be better off, you know, betting on XRP flipping Bitcoin, right? Like it's it's the, the odds <laughs> are that infinitesimally small. Um, yeah. So, so like what you, what happened when the funds were swept is you know quite a lot of the funds went through Wasabi Coin joins. Uh, and were you know sort of sprayed everywhere. Uh, interestingly, right, something that is interesting about the story is is the attacker did interact with some KYC exchanges, which seems a little bit bizarre. Um, so there are some threads that the authorities can follow. Again, I'm speculating here a little bit. So you know, my guess is that those KYC accounts they have been able to get the KYC data from the exchanges to see who owns them. However, my my guess is, look, someone who's clever enough to brute force our uh, system and then, you know, capable enough to go and use coin joins and all this, I, I find it really unlikely that they would be stupid enough to have their own KYC on these exchanges and, and use them after, after they've stolen some coins. So my guess would be that sure. these were like... Uh, mule accounts or either they'd stolen someone else's details and made an account i, I don't know uh so i don't hold maybe out maybe they paid of off the, you know somebody that helped them 
who knows? I, you know, I've yeah. heard that the the KYC data is is someone based in Southeast Asia as well. So, you know, I'm based in the UK. That means it's difficult for them to to really enter sure, these different right. jurisdictions. And um, I was I was saying, another... I was actually saying I think you'll get those. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I didn't want to cut you off. Go. Oh, so um, another thing I think is just random that's worth mentioning, which is a weird one for me as as quite a hardcore Bitcoiner, is uh, some of the funds, right, were swi- uh, flipped into Monero. Now, I don't know anything about Monero. I'm not here to promote it. I don't I don't know enough about it to 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 you know say it's rubbish or good or whatever. But what I do know is that. Pretty much, I, I got the sense from the authorities that once this Bitcoin ended up being flipped for Monero, the the trail kind of runs pretty cold at that point. Yeah, I'm not going to sure. say completely cold because they still try and track people's IPs and all this sort of stuff. But 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 tracing the transactions once it's they crazy. get into Monero, I think, is a black yeah. hole. Um, I don't know whether I should be putting that info out there, but I, I'm still really pro privacy, right? I, the the one thing it makes me think that I never thought I would is I would never ever store my wealth in Monero, right? Because as as I understand oh, right, it, again, right. I don't I don't know enough, but I don't think you can actually quantify the total circulating supply because it's so private, right? But right, yeah. But I'm KYC'd and KYC'd and being dot. Uh, and all this and and having you know people know i'm going to continue to be a bitcoiner if i felt i wanted to break some ties to previous transactions and improve my privacy would i consider jumping into monero for five minutes before jumping back out into bitcoin if that if that cuts some ties yeah i I don't know i'm just exploring these ideas myself but it makes you think well yeah maybe it's not a store of value or a good currency but might be a pretty useful tool I, i i don't know Oh, interesting. Like a shit coin is like a, like a shield or something. <laughs> it's a, it's, well, it's, 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 it's kind of, it's, it's kind of a, a para or a pejorative. People use it negatively money laundering, yeah. but it's, it's, a, it's one of the most valid use cases um, yeah. of any monetary technology, because the, if money laundering is considered, um, you know, unethical or a crime or bad or whatever that's that's based on the the values of the system you're in it doesn't it doesn't mean that you agree with those values or that those values are correct so it's you know i i, I wanted to mention I, I think i know how you're going to get your 25 coins but and i think it's I, I think it's through work and i think it's through telling this story and i think that's how it's going to happen possibly i don't know possibly how that happens, i mean I think, I think that's Twenty-five bitcoins is a lot like. of bitcoins. So I, I'm kind of I'm kind of not expecting to to ever get the stack that high again because obviously I'm I'm well aware Bitcoin's going to be running away from me for the rest of my life, right? In terms of twenty-five bitcoins a day, what roughly a million in in less than two years? I think that's five times the price. But like I said before, it's not about the money; it's about the freedom. And you know, I like I like to work. I've been an entrepreneur most of my life, and. Uh, I'm feeling a hunger again that I've not felt in a long time. If I can stay in the Bitcoin ecosystem and make that my my passion and my work, it probably won't feel like work. There's nothing I enjoy talking about and and working on more. Uh, so yeah, we'll have to see, man. But I'll I'll keep swinging, right? I've been through several bear markets. I've I've been an entrepreneur a long time. I'll keep getting back up until I can't, you know. 
Well, just in this short amount of time, you've educated me. Like I'm thinking about my own security sort of measures and I'm like, oh shit, I do need to rethink my, you know, I, I, that is a completely smart message. Like, thank you for reminding me. When you're thinking, when you're thinking about, uh, how you're going to improve your security in the future, like how, um, you're starting from scratch without giving away what your security setup is like, how would you generalize how other people should think about it and and set theirs up and like the steps to follow and things to think about that might just be that you might, you know, like you might overlook if you weren't having to reanalyze this so strictly. The whole situation really like made me very clearly see where my blind spots were. So, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and preach and tell people the best way to self-custody because I, I, I have a journey to go on myself to, to, to improve all of this. But I can sort of list the things that I'm thinking about and that I know I need to work on. So first and foremost is the, the privacy problem, the KYC problem. Um, you know, there's quite a lot of Bitcoiners out there that are doxxed. And I think like, uh, like you were saying earlier, Michael, like there's this, there's this trade-off like, uh, you know, if you're going to be doxxed, your security has to be absolutely bulletproof. Um, and the privacy thing's a real problem because, you know, for me, I think, you know, if you, if you put your data out there, you've got to just take the assumption that it's not if, it's when that data gets leaked, right? And I think we are all so... Uh, conditioned to KYC and this sort of thing that we just don't we don't take that seriously enough. I definitely didn't, um, and 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 I think like yeah, the privacy thing. Think think a lot lot deeper about that because you know it's not just a case of okay if you want to buy a hardware wallet, you know don't give them your address. How about the idea that you don't give anybody your address or your usual email? So I'm talking like. You know, let's say you go and buy a pair of socks from, you know, some online store. If you're a doxxed Bitcoiner and they know, uh, you know, Michael owns a big stack of Bitcoin, right? I can't get his data from, uh, you know, uh, the ledger hack. He didn't have a ledger, so I can't get his, uh, his address details from there. But you might be putting your address details all over the Internet with loads of different suppliers. And those details could leak at any point. So I don't, I don't have to get all of the information from one place. I might know that you're a Bitcoiner because you're public. Then I might go to the dark web and I start looking through like, you know, has he ever been involved in a, in a security breach from got millions of, of companies that you might have interacted with. And now all of a sudden I might have your name and your address. So I'm like, I'm like, okay, right. This isn't, this isn't, is specifically a Bitcoin problem. This is a this a general privacy problem. Whereas, uh, right. so now I have a PO yeah. box. So even if I order a sandwich, it's going to the PO box. It's not coming to my house. Um, it's inconvenient because I have to go out and get my stuff instead of the Amazon guy showing up at my door. But it's worth it. Um, so that that would be number one. You know, I'll be doing other things like using temporary email addresses whenever I order something online um, or, or remailers and, and all this sort of stuff, like multiple email addresses for multiple services just to make it difficult to, to, to find me. Um, um, so that, that would be number one. Going down that same thread, the next thing I'm thinking about is, is buying KYC Bitcoin. 
right, or non-KYC Bitcoin, should I say, is, uh, yeah, you know, my preference every time now is going to be, how do I get non-KYC Bitcoin? So how do I either, you know, get paid in Bitcoin? All right, someone knows that I received it, but instead of a, an exchange that's a big honeypot of data, now it's just an individual company. Um, how can I just trade services for it in the real life? I can earn it, I think is a great way. I'm much more interested in mining when I never was before, because to me that produces pristine Bitcoin. And yeah, I'm probably not going to be competitive because of my electricity costs and I can't compete with big miners, but maybe I'm quite happy to pay a premium to get Bitcoin that I know is clean. So that's something to think about. Um, and if I do have to buy KYC Bitcoin, because like you have a problem, if you, I wish I had this problem, but if you, if you want to buy 20 grand's worth of Bitcoin in an instant, right? Um, you're going to find that quite difficult, I think, through non-KYC routes. So exactly, if I ever get lucky enough to have 20 grand floating around that I want to chuck at Bitcoin in one go, then I might have to use a KYC exchange to do that. But crucially, I'm going to take some steps after that fact to try and cover my tracks. So I'll be doing a lot more right. work on trying to understand better. Like I I've played with most of this stuff, but I've never switched in and out of Monero. <laughs> Precisely. So, well, maybe maybe Monero, don't know enough about that. Uh, I've dabbled with, with coin joins and Sparrow Wallet and stuff before, but just as a curiosity rather Sparrow. than taking it super seriously, so I might mix them. But I am going to try and break the chain between the withdrawal from the exchange to the addresses that I then use on an ongoing basis. Um, so and The yeah, more you know of, about the system and this technology, the more creative you can get with expressing the security and, and keeping the, keeping the hackers guessing, keeping the people guessing. Totally. And, and, you know, it might even give you a level of protection whereby, Hey, look, you know, I know you're a Bitcoiner. I, I have your name and uh, I'm trying to, and let's say the exchange you used got, got hacked. If I'm an attacker, I think, I guess, I think like a businessman, right? I want to find the easiest targets for the best reward so that I get the best return on any time I put into hacking, right? Like a business kind of approach. Right. If I'm going through all those exchange details and I'm tracking everyone's Bitcoin, trying to find out who has the most, where it lives. If I come across a user and I follow their Bitcoin and then I see very early on after you bought it that you've mixed it, then all of a sudden i'm moving right on to the next like person creep. yeah you, right, exactly you look i'm, I'm doing the next guy because this guy knows what he's doing um it's kind of like having something. like a beware of dog sign outside of your house right like it's like maybe you have a dog maybe you don't but it's like <laughs> i'm going to the house that doesn't have a dog <laughs> That's for, sure. for sure i'm looking for the right i'm looking for the idiots who left their seeds in a OneDrive. i'm not looking for the guy who did a coin join right so yeah, right. that's that's. Does I, one question I have is like we're talking about all these vulnerabilities. Well, first of all, the last always know your your blind spots and your vulnerabilities, and always be thinking about which ones that you might be overlooking because you could follow all the steps that you just outlined, right? But um, I'm not not saying you, but anybody, right? But if you're if you tell your your wife goes to work and tells everybody how much Bitcoin you have because you're always you know, cause she knows. And then it's like, you know, somebody that she works with her, hears it and he can exploit you. Cause all those tracks that you covered, like weren't, uh, 
weren't going to, weren't meant to stop somebody who already lived in your community and knew who you were personally and knew where you lived. So there's always that to think about too. It's, it's always covering your blind spots, but, um, obviously all of these concerns are, it's a lot of responsibility, maybe a little bit of stress burden. Maybe it's a lot of work to feel like you're comfortable and knowing what you have to do. So is there, was there any sense of relief for a brief moment that you didn't have to worry about securing this, this Bitcoin and that like, but now that you have this clean slate, there's also the relief of all the mistakes of your past have been kind of, uh, that trail has been wiped clean. And now you're all the Bitcoin you acquire, you can create those, um, those beware of dog signs right out there. So people don't even, tr you know, try to track you down at that point. Yeah. I mean, a Dan, sense of I'm relief. Sure. Yeah. in all of this. It, it won't surprise you. I'd much rather have the stress of thinking, how do I cover my tracks for my 25 Bitcoin? Then start from scratch. But but you, you're right. There, there's a weird... Uh, it's, it's weirdly freeing, right? Like, you ever heard that phrase, the things you own end up owning you? Um, yeah. And he talks about it in Fight Club, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, this is why I keep coming back to is always the pursuit of freedom and never of money. And you know, Bitcoin Bitcoin changes you for the better over the long term. But anybody that tells you that they don't regularly check the price, you know, multiple times a day and all this, I maybe they're maybe they're being honest, but I think I think bullshit, to be honest. Like when 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 something's ripping like thousands of percent, you're you're aware of it. You can't go on Bitcoin Twitter without knowing the price of Bitcoin after three or four posts, right? So yeah, there's a little bit of like um, it was never about the money, but it becomes like weirdly addictive to watch the price and stuff like that. Whereas now, uh, yeah, man, I get really excited when I see a big red candle. So let, let, let's hope they, uh, they, uh, don't go ahead with the ETFs. Everybody panics and, and shits the bed and starts selling their corn. And, and I'll be sitting there going, yes, please. Yes, please. Um, so yeah, there's a sense of, uh, freedom and also, I don't know if, if you're from Britain, right? Everyone loves an underdog story. So I don't mind being the underdog. We'll try and go for a crazy comeback and, and see what happens. Oh yeah. Um, go ahead, Mike. No, I, I'm, I mean, I got a, probably a few more questions here, but I think you answered a lot of the stuff that I was curious about. I'm, I'm curious. One question I did have was, uh, where do you transition from here from, from that fate? Like where, where do you go? Good question. I mean, I, you know, it's weird, man. Like, you know, I had a lot of plans, like most people about the future and what was next. We're planning to relocate to a different country and stuff like that next year. So it's weird. It's a weird experience to have every plan that you had pretty much torn up in 10 minutes right in front of you, right? That That's, that's a weird feeling. So it's still very fresh. It's still only been a month and I don't know exactly what I'll, what I'll do next. Um, I, I really want to stay in the Bitcoin community. So I would love to find a job with a, with like a Bitcoin company, like a full-time sort of role. Um, because, uh, it's something I'm passionate about. I think it would be quite hard for me now to go like, I don't know, back into biz dev selling a product in fiat world that, that maybe I'm not as passionate about. And, have to watch Bitcoin rip and everyone having fun on Twitter. Like I, I, I don't want to leave. I, I want to stay here. It's the most interesting thing happening in the world right now, in my opinion. So 
I find myself sticking around and, and hopefully trying to make a some sort of career here. You know, I've done a lot of public talking in the past, despite the hack making us look like complete and utter noobs. And I'm certainly a mid curve, right? I'm not a galaxy brain, but I'm quite good at explaining technical things in layman's terms to, to new people and helping them on their journey. Um, and sharing this story, I think is important. Um, you know, I'm doing a little bit of work now uh, already with uh, a company called The Bitcoin Way uh, to try and help people with their self-custody. And, uh, you know, it's just light touch with them at the moment. Maybe it turns into something, but they've given me a platform and a destination. So A, a platform to speak to people and say, look, we got it really, really wrong. But also, oh man, my, my views on this have changed a lot, right? Like, so my dad and me, not cybersecurity professionals. That is a niche, uh, a niche sort of uh, industry and, and people have spent 30 years dedicating their lives to protecting data. Yes, I think it's important that Bitcoiners educate themselves, that they go and do coin joins, that they get comfortable making transactions and all of this. But you've got, kind of got two options here. You know, a company like the Bitcoin Way that I'm working with, I really like them because they're not interested in holding your coins for you. They want you to self-custody. They're not interested in how much Bitcoin you have. And they're not, they, they, they don't want to touch it. They just really want to teach you and hold your hand on the journey to having a better setup. Now, you know, I know a lot of Bitcoiners out there on Twitter who are really into it and have been for years are thinking, I'm not, I don't want anyone else to help me. I'm an expert. I'm, I'm super private and this sort of thing. But the reality is for like 90% of people, it might be quite a good idea to just you can learn all this on YouTube, right? You can go to Bitcoin Sessions. He's got great videos on all the hardware wallets. Um, but I say this to people, right? I've used this analogy a few times, which is if my radiator falls off the wall and starts flooding my house, I call a plumber. Um, I know there's plumbing videos on YouTube, but by the time I've learned it, my house is already flooded. So, you know... and. Another analogy might be, you know, if I wanted to become a much, much better golfer, I could go down to the driving range and I could practice and practice and practice and, and probably improve a bit. But if I hire a coach, the speed at which I'll improve will be massive. I'll also get some peace of mind, especially in the Bitcoin world, that, you know, not only is my setup good because I've hired a coach and I've got there quicker, uh, I also have like this second opinion of someone with 20, 30 years cybersecurity experience saying, yeah, we think we, we're confident you're following best practices and you're up to date. And also, you know, what I'd have loved is, is someone who calls me out of the blue because I'm their client and they say, Rick, we've, there's a new vulnerability that we're aware of. Don't worry. Everything's fine, but we recommend you take the next three or four steps and then you should be golden again. I think that's really valuable because 90% of people are not shadowy super coders. I think, I think this service should exist, you know? Yeah. And I, th I, I, we interviewed Tony and I think the Bitcoin way is a, a great service. And I, another thing you kind of touched on is some of this, even using a cold card and connecting it to Electrum or Sparrow or creating your own multi-sig vault is even if you're pretty technically competent, if you're a software engineer, it's, relatively complicated it's it, it can be frustrating uh it doesn't always go right you're not it's not necessarily intuitive the ui is not 
always super intuitive. So if you're coming without that technical background and without that just mindset of being the tech person or a security person, it's even more daunting. And so you, you read, you watch these videos or you, you read these instructions or you, um, you read about it on Twitter, right? Like this is what you use. This is how you improve your security. And you try to learn to use it at the basic level possible, but you don't really, you just really don't get it. And by talking to you, it's, it's obvious that the security mindset is a lifestyle. And you, you know, if you, like you said, if you want to get in shape, you can do it yourself. That is one of the beauties of Bitcoin or the beauties of a lot of things. You can do it yourself. But if you have somebody that's, has experience been through the the suffering and come through the other side and it's really thought about this and how to tie it to your daily life um you can get into those habits and that ritual into that mindset as well to the point where um you don't you know you have that guidance you can help others um and you, you just become a lot more independent Sure, you know, and I and I think people, you 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 hit the nail on the head there. Like, you need to be training consistently, like training, training. Everything moves forward. Like, we 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 stuck where we were, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But the problem is, once it's broke, you're broke. Um, so you know, we uh, I I just think a lot of people would benefit from that. And I think the good thing about these services as well is they meet you where you are. Because like, okay, you could be like totally obsessed with this stuff and, and come up with like a geographically dispersed multi-sig setup and all this sort of stuff. But I think what's important to note is like one of the biggest risk factors to losing your Bitcoin is you. It's, it's user error and making some mistake that you can't undo or do you know what I mean? So, so there might be yeah. some users that need to go to this level and there might be some users who actually would be better off at, at this sort of level and i think the practitioners at the the bitcoin way are good at understanding that this is a journey you have to start at lesson one and go through to lesson 10 right but what's difficult about doing that on your own just through youtube videos is knowing where to start what order to do things in um the pathways aren't always clear like you might sit there and learn how to use a ledger and then the next day you're on twitter and and you hear that it's been hacked and data's been leaked or you know and some other vulnerability i mean they, they seem to have a problem every other week right so i'm not i'm you know this is the nice thing about being independent right don't buy a ledger don't buy a trezor you probably want to look at the 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 options like cold card and and seed signer hopefully that helps someone out there but if you've got those hardware wallets i'd stay away from them because they they support shit coins which just means more attack surface more potential problems like keep it simple and if if you keep finding like I think my security is getting better, but I'm unsure. Go and get sure and find someone who knows more than you to teach you. Um, you know, there, there's loads of people out there who will just pay. You can pay to teach. They don't want to touch your Bitcoin. Just go and learn uh, and and find find someone who can help you fast track it. Yeah. As as before, we um, start to wrap this one up. I think I could sum it up by saying that if you look at the most important aspects of human life that have, have lasted throughout the generations, right? Religious people, they go to church or, or synagogue or temple weekly. Doctors, what they, you know, a surgeon, when he tells you about his, um, his career, he talks about how many years he's been practicing. Um, Stand-up comedians, they have to, they, 
to get their sets, they have to do their stand up, their work every single day, or they, they lose that, that flow and that talent. Um, it security is a lifestyle and it takes practice. And if you're not thinking that way and you're not practicing and you're not learning and, and constantly evolving with the vulnerabilities, with the, the threats and with technology, um, that's your, that's your, if that's your life savings, you should probably rethink how you approach security because it's self-custody in Bitcoin is a big responsibility and um, you have to live up to it. If you want to be a Bitcoiner, this is not optional. It's not optional. You 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 can't be a Bitcoiner it's not for the and week. not trade. Otherwise, you're going to have a bad, bad time. Well said. <laughs> wow, man. Rick, thank you, man. That, this is some very good conversation. Yeah. Um, before we go, like, let us know where people can find you, where people can see this video, which it'll, it'll be in the show notes and where people can connect with you if they, if they need a, you know, a security coach or they just want to talk, talk more about this. Yeah. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter. Uh, the handle is at R mess it. Um, so, uh, that's at R M E S S I double T. Um, I'm not going to be able to, or I'm not going to even try and coach you one-on-one -on -one to improve your security, but I can put you in touch with people who are cybersecurity experts with, with loads of experience. I'm also going to go on my own journey now. Like, you know, I'm going to be, I've already signed up for the PO box. I'm learning more about non-KYC. I'm looking to get my hands on a start nine, uh, server, uh, setup. I I'm looking at privacy phones. Uh, I'm also looking at, uh, weapons and things like this for, for meat space and figuring out what I'm allowed to legally own in the EU because physical security, I'm getting much more interested in as well. Uh, so yeah, you know, I, 12 months from now, I'll be in a better position and the more I can share and the more I can help other people, uh, the better. So yeah, come and come and say hello. And one last thing I'd love to put out there and look, you know, you would definitely categorize me as like a Bitcoin maxi, right? But I really mean this, like having gone through what we, we have, we know how hard it is. So if you've been the victim of a hack or, and, and you've lost all your Bitcoin, do you know what? Even if it's fucking XRP or whatever coin, like if, you, if, if you're going through something similar and you got hacked, I'm cool to talk to you just to help you like get through it, not do anything stupid. You know, it's really important. Even if it's a coin I don't like, if you got hacked, I know it's brutal. If you've lost money, you can reach out and I'll, I'll sit and talk to you because, oh, and before I go, I really must say, I haven't mentioned this yet, but the Bitcoin community is absolutely incredible. Like when I posted that tweet and said what had happened, I had so many gigabrains reaching out to me, trying to help me. I had the guys at, um, uh, the, the research arm of Samurai Wallet, the guys over there, they gave me so much of their time and energy. They're tracking the transactions, showing me where it's going, producing graphs. Honestly, without their help, uh, I don't, I'm so glad I tweeted. I don't know what made me do it, but without that, getting closure and understanding everything would have been so much more difficult. So if you're having a bad time, like reach out. Like Bitcoin Twitter is, is, is really toxic. Like people are pretty angry, but beneath that surface of, of sort of prickly sort of behavior, 95% of Bitcoiners are the most awesome 
people on the planet. So I just want to put a big thank you out there to everyone 100%. who's reached out, said something nice, or, or put a lot of hours in to help us. You guys are awesome. And that's why I want to stay. And and that's also, there's one guy in particular who spent a long time talking to me um, the night that it happened. We're talking about life, philosophy, the world, and and he really helped me sort of process things. And he also said, well, look, man, I just want you to pay it forward. Like, go and tell other people, go and help other people. And I owe him that much. So, yeah, I'm hopefully going to stick around. And if I can save a few plebs, that would that would make my day. You lost 25 Bitcoin, but you gained countless friends. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's lovely. Oh, cool, man. I, uh, I'll probably cut it. Thank you again for listening to the High Hash Rate Podcast with Dan and Mike. If you want to learn more about the podcast and see what we're up to, you can find us at highhashrate.com. Or if you just want to speak to a couple of baked 80 IQ plebs, reach out to us at hello at highhashrate.com. Or you can reach out to us at the High Hash Rate handle on X. Later, everybody. Holy Toledo!